<laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McDaly. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code ADVICES for awesome supplements. You can get things like, like Pure Raw Citrulline Malate, Beta Alanine. You can get uh, uh, Highly Brain Cyclic Dextrin, everything you need, a whole bunch more. David Crossland, good morning. How are you? It's early for me. Yeah, well, it's, it, yeah, Scott can't sleep, so we decided to do the podcast early. You know, actually, Scott, if, if you promoted Richard Foster and Strom, you'd probably get a tub of his new Neuro PM, and then maybe you'll sleep. Oh, really? What What's this Neuro PM? <laughs> uh, take it, it's a... uh, you know, he does the Neuro brand, which is basically a, a, a stress relief um, product. It, it's sort of like a, an, an anti-stim product. Okay. So um, he brought Neuro out to, to help people basically come back down after using a free workout effectively. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it, it, it's, it's shown to be, it's proven to be very effective in helping people with anxiety and, and, and actually improving people's sleep because the brains were calmer and more settled. So now he's brought a version of it out that's specifically aimed at helping with sleep. So there's some other ingredients in there to, I don't, I can't remember the ingredient profile, but yeah, it only came out this week. I got a tub yesterday. Um, I could I could use a scoop right now. Maybe it'll kick right. in. We could watch me fall asleep on the show. See, so if you'd have plugged it, you'd have had a tub, and then you wouldn't have uh, woke up at stupid o'clock in the morning, and we wouldn't be doing this at this time. And uh, saying that, though, we seem to be getting some decent viewers, so maybe this is a better time to do it. So maybe you need to start getting up at whatever stupid o'clock in the morning it is to do our podcast. I got up at four. Uh, it took a little while to get the show together, ate some food. We'll call it meal one. And uh, we've got a we got a program lined up for you today, guys. We are going to well, we have a, a little kind of topic we're going to discuss in the news. With Boston Lloyd had announced that he's got some kidney issues. Um, our main topic of the day is going to be the relationship between progesterone or no, excuse me, prolactin and gyno. Uh, we've of course we've got our listener questions, and then at the end, Dave has prepared some questions for me. I don't know what they are, uh, but we will get there eventually. So to start out, um, what what was this news you heard about Boston? Uh, Boston apparently has announced um, severe kidney problems. Mm. I haven't actually watched the podcast in which he announced it. Um, so I don't know the full picture, but I believe from what comments and responses have been said that he may actually be facing dialysis. That's a shame, man. You know, Which, I, well, even you're not coming used, back from that. Yeah, and even if he used a lot of gear, you know, it's like I, it doesn't make him a bad person. I, I, I don't want to see anything bad happen to anybody. That um, That's too bad. It's. I've made no secret that I think Boston Lloyd is a complete fucking cock end. But having said that, I don't wish this on him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this, this isn't just a, a condition that's, troublesome this is life changing and dialysis literally will take over your life because you're in for dialysis you're a day out you're back in again you don't have a life your whole life is governed by dialysis now hopefully and he's eligible and and can find a suitable uh donor for a kidney transplant but that's that's still a long process of recovery and a long process of management, maintaining that kidney and making sure it stays functional and you don't reject it. Um, he does seem to be very accepting. Um, he doesn't seem to be crying 
and moaning and, and going, woe is me, does seem to be very much of, look, I did this to myself. I've no one else to blame. You know, these are the consequences of my actions. Um, so credit to him there. Uh, and I have said on, on his Instagram that if I can be of any help in the way of just someone that he can talk to about how it affects you and changes your outlook and its impact both psychologically and physically, then I'm more than happy to do so. Like I said, I may not have got on with the guy. I may not have liked him and his attitude that he presented to a lot of people. But at the same time, I, I never wished this on him. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, um, I can say that, no, so I didn't get into competitive bodybuilding until my early 30s. So I was a real late bloomer with it. I can tell you that had I gotten involved in my teens, in my early, early 20s, I was a different person then, and I can't say that I would be in any different of a position, if not worse. Believe me, man, I pushed my life to the extremes when I was younger, and if bodybuilding was my passion, my obsession, I honestly, I can't say that I would have done anything different than him. Not that I advocate, you know, using high doses or, you know, abusing your body or anything like that, but I, I get it, I guess. I get it. That's why I'm, I'm yeah. afraid with a lot of the young people who are coming to steroids with a nonchalant attitude of like, well, I just, you know, just get on them. I do TRT. It's just, just a lifelong commitment. You know, things change. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I never had an issue with his usage. That was his personal choice. I just sure. had an issue with his attitude, but I mean, I, I wouldn't, I can't stand in judgment of anybody's usage, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day. <laughs> um, but this brought up, the, the subject of kidney function and yeah. I don't think people realize now how common kidney problems are becoming within the steroid user population now I, I suppose in a way I'm lucky because with eval I get an insight into blood work and what people are doing in relation to the blood work yeah um, and I'm probably seeing one in four one in five sets of bloods with reduced kidney function mm. um, and some of them are severe. Some of them are clinically quite bad. Um, most will have EGFRs sort of low 50s, touching high 40s, but I've seen people with EGFRs in the 30s a lot more commonly than I'd like to. Um, one of the big impacts is trend. You can always tell when someone's on trend because their kidney function is, de is declined. Hmm. Um, to some degree, it recovers post-usage, but not always and very oftenly not fully. So obviously, as people continue to use trend on, on cycle after cycle after cycle, their kidney function just slowly gets hammered down. Um, and it, it's an area, I think, we've always been hyper-vigilant about liver. Yeah. Uh, um, we've always had this, this fear, I suppose, almost within the community that you've got to look after your liver. If you're on orals, you've really got to protect your liver. You don't use orals for long. It's now where we need to have that same attitude towards kidneys uh, and, and particularly in relation to trend use in kidneys because there is no denying the fact trend damages your kidneys both long term and has an acute immediate impact on kidney function while you're using. Okay, let me ask um, you a question then that, that may be helpful for me and the listeners then. Um, so yeah, you know, liver protection gets nailed home. I think anybody who starts gear 
knows that they need to protect their liver. They know the whole, you know, list of supplements that you can take that are, you know, potentially going to help, but in a way, you know, uh, they only help so much. Is there anything that we can be doing, obviously outside of monitoring lab work, um, limiting dosage, limiting duration? Are there supplements that people can take? Like, hey, I'm going to run some trend. Let's add this in as a protective. There, there are. Uh, so NAC uh, is shown to be quite useful. Astralogus is shown to be very useful. Um, now, the only products that I have real-world experience with, with my own kidney function, is Astragaflow from Supplement Needs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I found that that genuinely increased my GFR rate. Which um, we got a code for them. Advices. I think it's Advices or Advices 10. I don't know. I'll put it in the link below if you guys want to check it out. Professionalism. Fuck's sake. Um, also, glutathione. Um, oh, yeah. Now, I've, I've used both the liposomal glutathione that, that Sup needs cell, uh, and I did see an impact from that, but I've also used the IV and injectable versions. Uh, unfortunately, because kidneys, liver's an amazing organ and, and basically, you know, it will regrow from a third. It's very self-repairing. Kidneys are, and it is incredibly expensive and incredibly difficult to try and improve kidney function. Mm. Uh, generally speaking, once you have kidney damage, it then becomes degenerative. So it will just get worse. And the only thing you're looking at is dialysis at some point. Now, when I was diagnosed five years ago, I was told dialysis within three years. I'm now on five years, and I've improved my kidney function by 16 points. Nice. So my, my GFR is now 36 when it was 20. Which they However, say that's not easy to do. Like, that's that was not expected, right? No, and it's expensive to do. Mm. So injectable glutathione, 1,400 milligrams three times a week. Where that's that? getting that pricey. To? What are we talking there? Um depends what you're paying for it, doesn't it, at the end of the day. But you're going to start costing because that's yeah. ongoing. Yeah. Um, the the product that I've had the most success with is probably the product that's the least researched, which is NAD+. Plus. Hmm. Now, a, a, a 500 milligram NAD infusion is going to set you back somewhere around four to 500 quid. And you're doing that weekly, was it? No, I can't afford to do it weekly, so I, I usually manage one a month. Okay. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I get it a little bit cheaper because I buy it in at trade prices, but um, it's a very difficult compound to handle. It, it has to be stored at minus 20. Um, it can't be mixed in solution and left. It'll just, just go off. Um, and you will see Chinese versions for next to nothing. Uh, it's absolute garbage. You need to get medical grade, and unfortunately that means you need to buy from a, a pharma supplier, and that is a lot of loopholes you need to jump through in order to, to actually get them to allow you to supply. It took me months and using a, a doctor's uh, help in order to be allowed to actually buy this stuff. And even then, you know, even a trade, it is very expensive. We buy five grams in at a time um, because we can't afford to buy any more at once because it's so expensive. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, listen, we have a bunch of listener questions that are um, from the last episode. Like you said, we've been getting some good turnouts on the YouTube. A lot of great comments from everyone who's been watching. A lot of good feedback. People loved the, the Dave Crossland outfit. In fact, Dave, I still, 
I've got my beard here if I need to put this on at any time in the show. We got this. I credit where credit is due. <laughs> that was fucking funny. However, revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> well, I'll I'll uh I'll sit tight and see what you've got in store for me. I'm it's waiting coming. to find out what your questions are now. So now my questions are not revenge, though oh. I have plans in place. Okay, you have started a war, <laughs> young man. <laughs> Even your wife liked the outfit; she got a kick out of that. Oh yeah, no, you have started a war. Battle <laughs> lines have been drawn. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, we do what have was... that. We've got a bunch. What were we gonna say? I said we'll have to start Team Scott and Team Dave. (laughs) We have so we've got a bunch of listener questions off of the previous show. I'm seeing a few pop up in the live feed here, Uh, but before we get to that, let's talk about prolactin and estrogen because this is something we touched on a little bit last week. And then you're like, "Do you want me to go deep into that?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's keep it surface because we were trying to keep everything focused on steroid stacks." But we did actually have some people say, hey, let's take that a little deeper. Let's 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 take it. Not just the tip. They want to go all the way in. Right. So. Generally, you see two two points of argument on, on gyno. You, you see the argument that it's only caused by estrogen uh, and medically that's supported. And then you'll see people say, well, I've got high prolactin. I took caber and my gyno went away which is also supported. We've got a lot of antidotal evidence that that supports that. So what's going on? Can prolactin cause gyno? And the answer is yes and no. Um, Directly, no. Prolactin does not have a direct impact on the tissue and cause gyno to grow. Indirectly, yes. So estrogen is still your cause for gyno. The problem is that when we take nandrolones and uh, prolactin elevation is more pronounced with DECA than it is with Trembolone. So there's a lot of things going on. Now, one of the actions at which how Trembolone increases gyno is because Trembolone engages with the estrogen receptor and acts as an agonist. Now, an agonist means it promotes the receptor. So it engages with the receptor and it actually increases the sensitivity of that receptor. As a result, though your blood plasma estrogen levels haven't elevated, as far as your body's concerned, your estrogen levels are higher, or the impact of estrogen is greater. Yeah, yeah. As a result, gyno. Um, Now, prolactin will elevate off the back of elevated estrogen. So if your estrogen gets up, or even if your body feels your estrogen's going up, then prolactin will elevate. The other thing that causes prolactin to elevate is reduced progesterone. DECA and TREN, or sorry, as someone commented, I shouldn't call it DECA, I should call it Nandrolone. Nandrolone and Trembolone. That was a great comment, actually. Yeah, you were going to get that one in, so I thought I'd have that one off now. (laughs) Um, Engage with the progesterone receptor. They act as progestins. Now, yeah. progestin, a true progestin, nandrolone and trembolone aren't, but they do act like progesterins. In the case of, of nandrolone, its engagement with the PR, the progesterone receptor, is not as great as progesterone. So even though blood plasma levels of progesterone may be elevated, 
Decker acts a little bit like an antagonist, i.e. a blocking agent, which means that the body's perception of progesterone levels is reduced. Progesterone reduces, prolactin goes up, mm-hmm. which is why we see more pronounced prolactin elevation with nandrolone use than we do with trenbolone use. Because when Tren engaged the PR, its signaling engagement is more of an agonist nature. And as a result, that actually helps to regulate prolactin to a small degree. But why are we getting gyno with high prolactin? Well, prolactin causes an increase in estrogen receptors within breast tissue. So now we have more receptors. So even though estrogen levels may not be elevated to a large degree, we are getting more engagement at that particular tissue. So as a result, within that tissue, the activity of estrogen is increased. The other thing that prolactin does is lower androgen receptors, ARs. DHT, which engages with an AR, has a protective role against gyno. In Mm. fact, some gyno treatments is DHT cream rubbed into the nipple locally. Um, So we don't only get this increase in localized estrogen activity, but we get a decrease in localized DHT activity, resulting in breast tissue being more sensitive to gyno. So... With all that said, our current approach to lowering prolactin levels is to use CABA. Yeah. Dostin X, whatever you want to call it. And that works via dopamine. And it's not really the best idea to be pissing about with our dopamine receptors. DECA also has an action within dopamine. It lowers dopamine transport proteins. So that's another way why DECA helps to elevate prolactin levels as well. Um. I do believe that there may be some legs in looking at progesterone supplementation in a way of managing and controlling prolactin. I've heard this talked about before. In fact, um, Eric Marchowitz, who used to own a company called Mind and Muscle, he's the patent holder for a bunch of the 7-keto-DHEA steroids, had talked about that years ago, I believe, on uh, one of our podcasts. I think it was Bodybuilding Nerds. I think he talked about even a cream, like applying a cream topically, mm. if I remember, is a while ago. I, I do think there's some late. Um, why would this be? I mean, people are scared of progesterone. They go, oh, fuck, it's, it's like estrogen. And yes, it is a bit like estrogen in, in its side effects, like water retention and such like. But proge- progesterone is very readily available. You know, it's in so many... Um, contraception medications yeah that it's going to be a lot easier to get older than caber is uh, and potentially be a lot more cost effective obviously dosing is a big issue and unfortunately that's just going to take some experimentation to see um if dosing will where it would sort of need to be but i, I do think that using progesterone as a way to manage prolactin could be a safer hmm. cheaper and more readily available way to manage prolactin levels when using Nandrolone or Trembolone. I mean, prolactin can elevate off testosterone on its own if you don't manage estrogen. So throughout this, the key element is managing estrogen. But you must remember that even though estrogen levels in bloods may be at an acceptable level, that because of how Decap, sorry, Nandrolone and Trembolone work, they have further impacts at receptors that will make that estrogen more prone to causing issues with with gyno in breast tissue. Hmm. 
Okay. Um, so the other alternative, which is why I, I'm a big fan of Novadex, because it blocks the receptor. So if the receptor is already engaged, it's going to be more difficult for these other compounds to get involved. Um, the But I do think there's definitely some legs in progesterone levels uh, and somehow managing progesterone in a way that's going to keep prolactin at bay. Obviously, we have to overcome the engagement of nandrolone and trembolone at the PR. And and because trend is such a high binding affinity, we might find that progesterone supplementation isn't enough mm. to offset the trembolone engagement. But we will see. Yeah. Um, so anyone wants me to stick progesterone in them to see if it helps with prolactin, give me a bell. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. I found that comment, by the way. Uh, who was this? It's uh, GS. OE21 recently watched the Anadrol episode where Dave is giving you a hard time for calling Anad for calling it uh, Anadrol saying it's oxymethylone because I was saying a bombs remember that yes uh, I do for a guy who's particular about using the chemical names for a bombs he sure calls nandrolone deca quite often I applaud you on that comment that was a that was a good one uh, credit where credit's due He's right. I apologize. <laughs> Call them A-bombs. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we did get a bunch of questions. Let's see if I can pull these up. Um, as a matter of fact, what was this it? Let me see. I'll start right here. I like this one, too. Um, oh, okay. So this, was, this is a non-steroid question. Uh, uh, Natty Gaines says, what do you recommend for great workouts at home? with uh my equipment i have two adjustable bowflex dumbbells and an adjustable bench what exercises to make the most out of each body part chest back and legs because you guys are still shut down hard over there in the uk right now aren't you yeah so first thing is look at pre-exhaustion so look at doing isolation before compounds because obviously one of the limiting factors you're currently facing is a lack of weight yeah so fly in before pressing um also look at tut some time with attention work again enables you to get more effective workout out of lighter weight yeah so so a five second negative and a five second positive if you did that in a few preceding sets before you went into a regular tempo you would find that your max weight would be significantly reduced but you would still be at max effort so as a result that pre-exhaustion is going to help you utilize the weight you've got um chest is quite easy really i mean you've got Incline flies, flat flies, you've got dumbbell press, you've got standing um, upper peck um, in dumbbell flies where you bring it up and across the chest in that motion. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do press ups, you can do dips between two chairs. So, chest isn't a particularly difficult exercise to do. Yeah, back and legs will be where it gets complicated, won't it? Yeah. Triceps, uh, dumbbell extensions, uh, dumbbell kickbacks, uh, floor reverse hammer curls where you lay on your back and you do a, that position of movement. Yeah. Um, all good for triceps. So that's fairly easy. Put that to one side. Back, um, you obviously have a dumbbell row, which may require the fact that you use TOT to maximize the weight because obviously back's a stronger body part and you're going to need more weight. You could use tension bands to increase the dumbbell weight, and obviously tension bands are still quite readily available. You could even go a little bit proper old school and get something like a, a bag or a rucksack and fill it with bricks or, or heavy load. Sand's very something good heavier. as a, a weight. Yeah. Yes, sand's very good as a weight. 
you put a, a garden refuse bag inside a rucksack, fill it with sand, and you can probably get that up to 30, 40 kilos quite easily. Yeah. Um, it means you're having to be a bit more elevated in order to get the range because of the bag hanging so low underneath your hand, but it still works. Uh, you could do bent over dumbbell rows, reverse grip, pronounced grip, depending on where you are. Again, you can use TOT. You can do chins if you have accessibility to a bar. It may be that you have to go outside and use something locally. Yeah. Uh, a park climbing frame, something like that, you know. I you think can do pull-ups. Yeah, chins and pull-ups. Yeah, yeah. Those, I think, would be one of the number one things. And they're brutal, man. I feel like a pull-up yeah. is a tough exercise. You can do a dumbbell pullover. Um, if one dumbbell's not heavy enough, you'll just have to use two together and, and sort of hold them against each other. You can do a reverse row where you hang upside down. Uh, so effectively oh. what you do is you get a broom pole, yeah. uh, suspend it between two chairs, you're upside down, and then you row up to the pole. Yeah. So like a reverse works. bench. Um, so there's a few there on back, uh, biceps, chest, quite chest supported. Yeah. Let's just do legs, you know, the stick, the big ones, yeah. but I think also right. I'll add to back, uh, chest supported. If he has an inclined bench, uh, mm-hmm. I've been doing those for my upper back. You know, I, I it mm. seems like everything I do for back is either a pull up movement or a pull down movement. And then my rows, I keep my elbows in very close cause I'm always yes. trying to hit lower lats, but laying face down on the bench and kind of pulling up elbows out to hit more of the upper back. I find that's a that's a real good one. And you can't use a ton of weight on that either. You know, if, depending on what his dumbbells go up to, you could get a pretty solid workout out of that. So legs, seal rows, uh, yeah, as well. Hams, hamstrings would be stiff leg deadlift, but that would be stiff leg deadlift done properly with a locked knee and um, a, an arch in the lower back and maintain the arch throughout the movement. You'll find you can't get very low. But if you keep your chest lifted and your lower back contracted um, and your knees locked, you'll find it isolates the hamstrings very effectively with very little weight. Um, For quads, you could do an old school sissy squat where you virtually need no weight at all. Body weight is probably going to be enough to hammer you on that. Um, You'll have to look online for a video of that. But that is not using the frame where you bend your knees and bend at the hip. This is where your quads and your upper body stay all in line. You go up on your toes, your knees go forward, and you lean back. It's a very very difficult, very old school, very difficult movement to do, but very, very effective for quads and a really good pre-exhaustion. You can do dumbbell squats. You could do um, lunges, static lunges, moving lunges. You could even use the steps in the house, stick a dumbbell in each hand and lunge up and down the steps. Yeah. Just be careful. Um, that. If you want really big load, uh, because you, just, you are you just say, really big no, load. No, never mind. Yes. If you want to create a really big load on your lower limbs, go push your car. Oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds stupid, but pushing the car up and down the road a few times, you'll know you've worked your legs. And yeah. that can replace heavy leg press, heavy squats, stuff like that. Plus, you get some crazy conditioning in with that. You do as well, yeah. yeah. I, you know what I haven't done in a while? I'm going to work him back in is a split squat. You don't mm-hmm. need a lot of weight for those either. So his no. dumbbells will work great for those. And again, you know, if you're running out of weight, just slow the movement down. It'll make the weight more effective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like depending on how heavy his dumbbells are, 
he could do a lot, really, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, if he's got the dumbbells that go up to like fifty pounds, I mean, that's you could you could still do a lot with that. You can be quite creative. Um, and it might need a little bit of thinking out of the box, but you can be quite creative. I mean, it's not a lot of money to go get a pulley from the local DIY store. They're about five five dollars, five pounds. True. Um, screw that into a joist in the garage roof, a rope and a bar, and you you've effectively got a pull down machine. Yeah, it's a bit Heath Robinson, but it, it'll be fine for certain movements, triceps and and something like a straight arm pull down and stuff like that. It may not cope with lat pull down loads, but it will it'll still be quite versatile. All right, I'm gonna try to. So Barry, he's one of our regular listeners. Um, he is a prolific writer, so his posts usually his comments are long. We appreciate you watching, Barry. <laughs> I'm gonna try to kind of sum this up, but basically what he asks is uh, about um, tapering, and he he from his understanding he says that Palumbo, you know, if he has somebody running, says like a, a gram. Okay, so let's say that you're going to do two grams, uh, oh, two grams and a half of test on a cycle. He says, for example, Dave Palumbo has his guys start out the rip um, with that high uh, dose. Now he says a gram and a half. So I'm not sure, but let's just say basically saying, should you start at the high dose or should you taper it? And should you taper it back down at the end is what I, what I'm uh, getting out of this. Right. So if you're going for a high dose, particularly a dose you may not have run before, then there is some benefit in tapering up. Um, mainly it's, it's regarding sides management. So yeah. if you're going to jump on two and a half gram of test and you bang two and a half gram test in from day one, you're very likely to get some sort of immune response. So yeah. you're very likely to get test flu. Where if you start at a gram and then a gram and a half and then two gram you're easing into the doses a little bit more and the chances are you'll negate some of those reactions that you would have got if you'd started off flat. The problem with that is obviously is extending the length of your cycle or there is a period of your cycle where you're not at the dose you intend to run. But it does give you time to ease in and it will help with side management. Regards tapering off, I do think that's quite unnecessary because we have a natural taper built into the drugs which is called a half-life. And as, as so you're on 2,000 milligrams, 10 days, 11 days later, you're on 1,000 milligrams, 10, 11 days later, you're on 500 milligrams, 10, 11 days later, you're on 250 milligrams. Yeah. So there's a natural taper. So why would you need to taper off? It extends the period of time you're on drugs, and for me, it's just unnecessary. Yeah. I don't um, see any reason to either. No, but I do think that tapering up on the big stuff, yeah. I mean, I tapered up when I went on high doses for that simple reason, to manage sides going in. <clears throat> okay. Oh, here was that comment. Somebody, uh, George, we took care of your, con- we took care of your uh, suggestion, George. He asked that we went into detail about estrogen and prolactin. So there you go, buddy. We did that today. Um, I think we've got another one here. These are all taken from the previous episode. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to throw them in. I'm starting to get tired, Dave. I think I'm, I'm going to actually be able to go to sleep. Hey, Scott, question for the next uh, episode. 
uh, injection site preference and rotation to keep low scar tissue for stage appearance and line blurring? Um, go on, what's your thoughts on this? Because you, you've definitely got more competition experience than me. Well, when it comes to line blurring, because um, we had somebody else recently say, like, why would you cut the injections out, you know, that uh, a week out from the show? That was one of the comments we got in feedback. I prefer to um, because you do have a chance of taking a bad shot. I'd say that if you can if you can keep if you can keep inflammation from happening, that you're going to be you're going to be good stopping shots a week out a month out as long as the shot went well i don't think you have to worry about line blurring um i do think it's important to rotate your injection sites though and i even found that depending on the person depending on the product that's being used and pretending pretending on the amount of oil that's being used two sites might not be enough if you're doing twice a week like i found that using left right glute you know monday is right glute Thursday is left glute, then Monday you're back to right glute. I found that you can still get some scar tissue buildup in that. At the same time, I feel like when you go to smaller muscles, you start risking more of a chance of infection. And I could tell you that my shoulders got so much scar tissue built up in them because I had gone to them a lot, but I never went more than once a week. So I think that, I think that rotating is important. I think that the volume of, an, of the oil makes a really big difference too in in like I said how caustic that oil is. What are your thoughts here, Dave? Um site rotation I think is important. Um just remember that scar tissue can be managed through deep tissue work. Yeah. So it is though I know it's a more it's another added expense, but if you are finding scar tissue build up in a muscle tissue Deep tissue work will break it down and will release it. I mean, I remember injecting sites and it felt like I was putting a needle through sand. You ever get those like there pops? Those like pops snaps? and grinds and, and literally it was like I was dragging it through a stone. It really was. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and you know, that, that scar tissue. Um, site injection, there are a lot of sites you can use as long as you're sensible and careful, particularly about the volume of oil you put in. Mm. Um, I mean, I use calves, quads, delts, pecs, lats, tries, buys. Um, buys I'd inject bilaterally, uh, so two shots mm. in each bicep. Triceps I'd inject two shots in each tricep. Um, never used rear delts. Um, never I used have. front delts. I didn't. I didn't particularly like lats, to be honest. I found them a bit awkward. I like lats. Um, but, um, you know, there is a whole host of muscles you can go into. But bear in mind, any new muscle you're breaking in is going to have a um, pain factor to start with. It, you'll have to continue with it for a few times before you realize if it's going to stay painful yeah. or if it's going to start to, to settle down. Delts were always easy. Arms were always easy. Glutes, I never got on with ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I never got on with glutes. So, I, I very rarely use glutes. Huh. Um, I feel here's a fear of mine when you're like, hey, I use biceps, split the heads, you know, use all these different muscle groups. There's going to be somebody out there. A lot of our viewers are newer to gear and they're going to be like, okay, I should start doing biceps. 
how fun, I mean, is that what would be your basics to tell somebody? Oh, I think the basics are glutes, quads, and delts. They're probably the most common sites that people use. I mean, when you're banging in five gram of gear, you need a lot of sites. It's as simple as that. And particularly in my case, because I was so sensitive to test, uh-huh. I couldn't put two mil of test in one site. I huh. had to limit the volume of tests. So as a result, I had to use a lot of sites. Huh. So I would, unfortunately, at certain times, you know, there may be four or six injections required on one evening because oh. of the compound I was putting in. Yeah. So it would be, you know, here, 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 here. It would be all over the place. Yeah. But that was only because I was in, in, incredibly sensitive to swelling off testosterone. Uh, <coughs> Decker, I'm fucking hard. I could run four miller Decker in and not have a problem at all. But <laughs> when it came to test, oh, no. You're probably all um, swollen so, up after those shots. You're probably walking around like just all jacked. Oh, there, there, some, sometimes there was advantages to it, yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, big muscle groups are going to handle oil a lot better than small muscle groups. Yeah. Higher level of vascularity in small muscle groups, so you, mm. you've got more risks there. Um, but it's just like anything, be sensible, be careful. You know, yeah. take your time and and – don't rush into things. There's no real advantage to injecting any site. There yeah. is a small advantage in the smaller muscle groups to to probably a, an improved mind muscle connection. Uh, but you know, it's you don't need to inject delts. You don't need to inject arms. But if you're running out of spaces, they are viable alternatives. There you go. Uh, and I would rather go into arms than carry on going into a very scarred up scar tissue muscle that I've been using for a long period of time. So it, it's. It's it's just about management, really, I suppose, of you know where you put and when you put, depending on what's going on. All right. We've got another non-gear-related question. Thank you, Dave. His name is Dave. He says... Uh, good, good name. Your thoughts on one and a quarter reps for gaining size. Um, does slightly less weight but more time under tension make sense? Um. I think time and attention is a tool that we can use in, in stimulating growth. I don't think it's necessarily the be all and end all. I do use it a lot, but I use it for CNS and neural programming so that people learn to engage the muscle correctly in the movement. Mm. Once you've learned that, then I go very much more to a more traditional six to eight rep, hammer the living shit out of it. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of a lot of techniques because I think they're overly fussy. Okay. Uh, there's nothing of benefit out of a one and a quarter rep that wouldn't be sustained out of a slow single rep. Um, if anything, the quarter rep is a partial movement, which is potentially going to could not necessarily, but could long-term create issues in muscle shortening as it would if you did a, a non-full rep in any movement, you're eventually going to engage. The end of the muscles are going to start to tighten and you're going to reduce uh, the range over which the muscle can work. Um, this is particularly common in biceps. Uh, you see it all the time in biceps mm. where people can't actually fully extend the bicep with a weight and it hurts. That hurts because your muscles tightened up. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm a big believer in as much range as you can possibly generate. So for me... I would rather go a single rep slower than try and create more time with attention by doing a one and a quarter or one and a half rep. Okay. Um, I would say my thoughts are 
because I do this kind of stuff. I do use these kind of things. I use a lot of different types of timing techniques on a lot of my training. Um, there's a time and a place for everything. Mm -hmm. uh, let's take a guy. So uh, just looking at Dave's picture here, he's probably a little bit older. He's a, I, I don't know how old, but he's not a young guy. He's not in his 20s. Um, Stop insulting our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> If if you if you're a strong dude, um, squatting let's say three and a half plates for reps is going to put more pressure on your back than squatting two plates for reps, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can reduce the load a little bit and get more out of the load that you're using, if you were to say have a potential issue where you know you tweak your back when you're using heavier weight. I think you can get more out of less by using a technique like this. So for somebody who is aging, it may be a potential benefit. Another time where like, okay, when I say there's a time and a place, here's an example. I think of uh, a guy that I had worked with toward the end of last year, really nice quad sweep on him. This is a question we've gotten before, like working on inner thigh. And one of the techniques we used, I believe was a one and a half squat with a wide stance bringing it all the way down, coming up halfway, bringing it back down, then coming up all the way. That lower portion of the rep, we really could kind of, with the wide stance, we really could dig into those adductors. So we were, for him, giving him that specific focus on an area of his leg that needed the development. So, you know, that that would be, that would be a, a case where I think it could be of benefit. Also, I've got a third one just to do something different because if you've been mm. training for 20, 30 years and you've been squatting every week, it's nice to change it up. You know what I really like is a pause squat. Um, same with mm. a leg press. You give that a full one second pause down in the hole, poo, those are game changers. I've taken a leg press, I like that a lot because I've worked with guys who are extremely strong and they've got um, the whole leg press loaded up. You know, all four horns are loaded with plates. So you got like 1,500, 2,000 pounds on this thing. Your knee joints, I don't care how strong you are, your knee joints don't like a ton of weight. If you could figure out a way, like a pause squat or, you know, excuse me, a pause leg press, you may be able to cut that weight down, get just as much out of it, and then not have to worry about locking out and pinching something, losing your balance for just a second and shifting to the right leg, and now you've got an injury. So, you know. Yeah, I there's definitely room for making exercises more demanding on the muscle, yeah, uh, yeah. which in turn lowers the weight that you use. But if you're pushing for mass, unfortunately, you're going to have to get stronger in order to gain that mass. So there is a point where you do have to push the weight up. There's very few bodybuilders that have achieved very large mass through using techniques that make movements more difficult. There are bodybuilders, particularly back in the 80s, there were a few, but names escape me at the moment, that were famous for doing 25 and 30 rep sets. Okay. But they were they were short class and they were particularly light bodybuilders on stage. So the big mass monsters that you see have always had a background of moving big tonnage. But it, it's moving big tonnage safely. And as you said, it's also about where you are in life. Now, when I get back to proper training, I'm not going to be pushing six and seven plate squats again. 
Okay, yeah. Because because I'm fifty. Wait, when you get so, back, you you are back. Remember? Well, I know I'm not because the gyms are closed. So but, let's not lie to people, Scott. Okay. Well, you did say you're gonna. Yeah, no. Everything. Everything's coming in place, nice okay. and slow. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. very happy where I am with things, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not in a gym squatting because yeah. I can't go to a gym. Um, I'm asking with you. But, but you know, even if I got back back into training in a very strong and dedicated way, I would never use the big weights again. I would use more stuff like time and attention or constant tension reps, where you you sit in the middle of the range and just keep moving. And, and these are all things that will will. Increase enjoyment, I think, is definitely a big factor in that. Um, and, and will also stimulate the muscle in, in a, a slightly different way. But growth is progressive, and as a result, weight is always going to have to be progressive to continue with growth. But what, what I found worked really well was push for strength, then compound that strength by increasing technique and things like TUT work and stuff like that. Yeah. So so that strength then became very, very compounded. So literally, for argument's sake, three-plate squat, eight reps, good, solid, slow technique, can partially, can do anything I need to do under that weight. I'm very comfortable with that weight. Then I move up to four. It's heavy. I'm struggling. I'm getting the reps, but it is everything in me to get the reps. Well, then I stay at four, and I tidy that up, and I tidy that up until I can do that four-plate TUT. Yeah. Then I move on to the next push of, of, of strength. Um, yeah. And I found that worked really, really well. And a lot of that was just listening to my body. I knew when I was pushing too much load. And I knew when things were starting to get a little bit strained. And I would just pull back the form, tighten the form up, slow the rep down, introduce all sorts of different techniques to get more intensity out of that rep until I felt comfortable again. And then I would move forward again with the strength. Yeah, there's a there's got to be a balance in there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you take uh, just a 45 pound bar and you figure out how to kill yourself with that alone, at the end of the day, you're not going to grow as much muscle as if you were able to squat, you know, three, four plates. There's mm-hmm. somewhere, I think, like a middle ground. And and I've done what what I've done is I've forced myself because I am older. Like my prime example is the dumbbell incline press. You know, it's like that's one of my favorite lifts now. I've been working on it for over a year, dedicated on being the best I can at it. Um, I haven't gone up a ton in weight, but I've gotten a lot stronger with it. You know, I've improved my technique. And now when I do move up, I maintain like absolute perfect form. And I do use Mm. a nice slow negative on every rep. I agree that I think the end of the day, you need to progress. You need to get stronger. And you couldn't just take, you know, one plate and learn how to make that as hard as possible and still grow as much as you could out of three plates, you know. But I think there's a middle ground in there. I think that's where everything becomes like, you know, very specific to you. I think one of the take homes is you should not be pushing for more weight if you haven't mastered the weight you're currently on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we can I was, get so much more out of the weight we're using a lot of times, you know? I was so proud of you when you sent me that video when you got past the pink dumbbells. That was such a moment. Yeah, I, think I got to the blue ones. Yeah, I was really impressed with that. I sweat so hard that day. <laughs> All right, what else do we have here? Uh, this is from James in the live feed. People are watching us, Dave, this early in the morning. 
Started using 250 Sustanon a week a year ago, split into four doses per week. First nine months, um, I was the happiest I'd ever been. Now, another three months has passed and I have no motivation and I feel depressed. Is it gear related or is it life dragging me down? Same brand of gear and I trust the source. Thanks, Scott. And I guess thanks, Dave, too. Before we answer this question, what the fuck is going on with that beard? That's a lot of beard he's got going on there. That that that's that's a, a little bit I don't know, there's something about it that looks very odd. Anyway. It's a it's um, it's you know what it is? He keeps it shaved down on the cheeks. Yeah, he's sort of You do too though. That. You you keep no, your shaved down on the cheeks. I just yeah, but I just have this silly shite underneath my chin. Um Like mine. Yes, yours is odd done, honestly. Um <laughs> I thanks think for, thanks for making fun of our listeners. That's how we're going to grow that, the channel, Dave. It is definitely come in. We'll have the piss taken out of you. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's not like we don't take the piss out of each other ourselves, is it? Yeah. You know, I mean, come it's, on. it's open game. If you make a comment, we might mess with you, but we, we still like, uh, you. we, we love do. you. We do. Dave's um, just that way. He's... Oh, hey. See now dimension, mate. Oh, grumpy old man. That's where it is. Um, Right, so there could be a few things going on, and obviously, environment at the moment is not conducive to happy people. You know, mm. a lot of people are struggling, and not always recognizing that it is the the you know the COVID situation that is causing them to feel down and low and everything else. Ideally, run a set of bloods. Yeah. Um, it it could be you know if your blood's thickened. Um, did he mention dose he was on? I know he said he split it into four shots, but did he say how much he was on? Uh, I think he said four, just 250. <laughs> I'm jealous of your beard. That's what it is, mate. I can't grow one that big. Um, right. So You've been growing that for a, like a long time, you said, right? Over 10 years. This is how long he's got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's sad, really, isn't it? Um, my hair's on my back. I've grown fucking longer than my beard. <laughs> you could braid them now. Braid those, too. Yeah. Um, 250 is a bit on the high side. So it could well be that your blood's thickened. Mm, mm. Uh, that's going to make you feel a little bit lethargic and sluggish. And, and cognitive-wise, you'll probably be a bit slow in the sense of you just won't feel as sharp and as fresh in your head as you used to. Yeah, um, It's high enough to have issues with estrogen. It's high enough to have issues with prolactin. So really, you just need to run bloods and see where you are. Uh, but chances are it, it, it's a build-up from the fact that your dose is really, to be honest, about three times what you would naturally be creating if you were even top end of range. Um, I mean, 250 is a a whack when it comes to therapeutic dosing. Um, So I'd run bloods and see where you are with that. And that might give you a lot of answers as to what's going on. And by all means, you know, you can, I don't think Scott would mind you sending the bloods to him or send the bloods to me. And I'm sure both of us would give you some pointers of where to go from that point. Um, but yeah, I suspect it's probably dose related. Um, run your blood, see where you are. But don't don't dismiss the environmental factors we have going on at the moment because they can sort of creep up on you when you're not expecting it and, and, and drag you down more than you realize. Okay. Um, I didn't have a chance to copy this one to actually add it on the screen, but this is from Paula. So one of our female listeners, she says, love the chemistry between you guys. 
And I said, thanks. If you ever have any questions, feel free to post them up. And she said, I would, but I'm English, so you may not understand the lingo. <laughs> I told her. Yeah, because you don't speak English. I told her that I have you, my translator. So she asked me this. She said, maybe you could ask Dave what this means. Uh, he's a northern. He's a northern beauty, and us southerners have no idea what they're saying. What does this mean? E by gum. E by gum. E E H. E actually E E E H. Then the word by. Then the word gum. E by gum. It, it, it's it's really a, an expression of, of, of how would you describe e by gum? Uh, e by gum. You anchor. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a bit like, um, hey, um, but it's more used as a reaction to something. Oh, I've heard that before. Like, by gum, Batman. Like that? Well, maybe, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think how he did. Yeah, you, I mean, it's, it's a phrase you would generally use in a reaction to something. Um, and it, it's a little bit of a, um, I wouldn't say surprise, but it's sort of on that lines. Yeah, yeah. Rather than, you know, it, it's, it's, so it's sort of a reactionary comment. Um, you don't you don't hear it much these days. It's definitely a very much a, a northern phrase, particularly a Yorkshire phrase. Okay. Um, Ecky thump is another one. Ecky thump. <laughs> Ecky thump, uh, which is again a, a bit of a oh bloody hell, you know that sort of reactionary phrase. Yeah, it sounds like I think that's the name of a White Stripes album, actually. Ecky thump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Walter's with us. He says, morning to you both. Walter, I hope you're enjoying your Transformer bar, which I still don't have. Oh, what were you saying about giving giving viewers grief? <laughs> uh, here's one about IGF. Um, what's the difference between IGF-LR3 and combining both insulin and GH? Huh? Uh, my knowledge... Uh, both drive nutrient partitioning and glycogen storage. Okay, the question is, why bother with expensive growth and insulin when IGF is a fraction of the price? Um, well, why bother with either of them anyway? Dave, Dave does not like growth hormone. No, I don't dislike growth hormone. I, I, I don't see the reason why we're all obsessed with it uh, and the reason for running it at any high doses. By God, it, that it's is a, a good nice, it's a nice, it's a nice recovery agent and you know, it can improve sleep and things like that. But when it comes to muscle growth, there's, there's not really much going to be happening directly. Um, I have yet to see anyone comprehensively gain anything from running IGF LR3. Um, yeah, it's a slow acting IGF factor, but it, it's it just the doses just aren't high enough to have an impact. When you look at what IGF is medically prescribed at and how much you have to take to induce muscle growth, yeah, it's insane amounts. I mean, we are talking. What is the? I think the starting dose for kids is something like forty micrograms twice a day. I'll say 40 micrograms per kilo twice a day. 
Oh, okay, that's more. Yeah, so, you know, a 100-kilo bodybuilder is going to be taking huge amounts, nearly a gram a day, of yeah. IGF. And that's farmer-grade IGF. That's not some dry freeze powder you've got from China. Yeah, that's the other thing uh, is that, like, just because it's cheap, uh, I don't. I here's what I found in the last 15 years, and having known about a lot of IGF LR3, consistency is not across the board. Uh, you may get some good stuff, you may not. The most I've seen of LR3 or of any of the IGF peptides is fullness. I've never yeah. really seen anything that I could turn around and say that's definitive muscle growth directly related to the use of that drug. Yeah. Um, insulin and growth, they're going to drive glycogen and, and water into the muscle at a much greater volume than any IGF product would do. Um, so if you put GH and insulin together, you're going to get huge. I mean, you can quite literally on, on a, a 240 or 220-pound 200, man muscular man at say 10% body fat, you could literally put on him 20 to 30 pounds in four weeks of using GH and insulin. And he would still not particularly look, his condition would not particularly look any worse than he did previously. Hmm. But that's just water and glycogen being driven into the muscle and the muscle swelling and expanding because of that. As soon as you stop the GH and insulin, that water will be released and he'll just drop back down again. Um, and it's it's used by pros because they sell their physique, so they have to look a certain size. Rich was very uh, very open about his use of it before expos and stuff like that, so he came in looking the biggest he could. But I have yet to see anyone, and I I mean I have some very good friends, a, a coach uh, Hilly, very knowledgeable guy, very good coach. He swears by growth. Um, he swears it creates muscle growth, but I've never seen the evidence to back that up. I've never seen anyone have any particularly muscle growth off GH or off GH and insulin together. Uh, they're always in the presence of anabolics. So if someone wants to just run growth and nothing else without any anabolics, they'll get leaner, they'll be fuller, but I don't see any real massive muscle growth. But well, especially dollar for dollar, you know, it's yeah. Um, I will tell him too to check out uh, Muscle Minds episode ninety six. That was from two weeks ago, released January first, I believe, on the YouTube page at least, right around there for the audio. But we had the question uh, about cancer risk from IGF alone versus IGF with growth hormone. So definitely check that one out. We have a couple more. Let's knock those out. And uh, then I know you've got some questions for me, Dave. I have. Not gear related. Uh, but when is the best no. time of day uh, to take vitamins, magnesium, zinc, vitamin C, etc.? I'd say mag and zinc, PM pre-bed, vitamin C, I'd space throughout the day. You really don't want to be using a big hit of vitamin C, otherwise you're going to be sitting on the toilet. Um, I like to run vitamin C high. So I, I generally run vitamin C four or five grams, but I will, I say I will space it throughout the day. Uh, the rest of them, I, I, vitamin wise, I would say, I don't think there's any real benefits to timings. Uh, if it's just for general vitamin supplementation. Yeah. Just get them in. Um, 
Keep your keep if things you, like antioxidants away from training. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Like your NAC, you know, a good time to take that would be the opposite end of the day from working out. But yeah, um, I don't think generally for for most of the run of the mill vitamins and, and and minerals that there's particularly any timing issues. That can change a little bit when you start getting into supplements um, like you know NAC and creatine and stuff like that. Then then there may there, there is you know creatine is 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 very popular around the workout window uh, yeah. and for good reason. Um, but yeah, I would say just your sort of B's, C's, D's, and E's and that sort of stuff. Then, then there's not really any time in preference. It's more convenience. Okay, two more. You mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show that Boston was a cock end. Is being a cock end worse than a bell end? <laughs> yes. Okay. It's 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 one level up. <laughs> All right, and uh, last one we got here. This is from Max Holiday. Um, can inflammation from injuries in the gym? Ooh, that's my alarm to get up. No, that's not. That's just some professionalism as usual. That's my alarm to get up in the morning, Dave. How about You're that? Just not being. I silenced my phone. I mine was too, but the alarm goes off regardless. Yeah, yeah, well, whatever. Um. Okay. Can inflammation from injuries in the gym and wear and tear result in higher levels of my various white blood cells? Information usually will show in your CK. Um, no, I'd, right. White cell response is normally infection mm-hmm. or allergic reaction. Hmm. They're the main two you're going to see white cell response from. Um, I wouldn't expect to see a white cell response from an injury. I would expect to see a CK response from an injury okay. because that's an information marker of muscle tissue, uh, brain tissue, and heart tissue. All right. Well, that wraps us up for our questions. Last but not least, I've been waiting in fear to see what you've you don't got need to wait me. in fear. Right. Okay. So, five questions. Okay. Getting to know Scott McNally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wouldn't say these are these aren't particularly trick questions or anything like that. There's nothing particularly nasty in here. Um, so the first thing is, what do you do? Who is Scott McNally? They no, know, there's Dave. more to there's more to you than podcasts. So come on, they know, Dave. They are no, no they, they might know. not know because we we have another show or I have another show, Bodybuilding Nerds Radio, and I talk all about all of my. Um, all of my daily life stuff with my buddy VJ. He moved to Canada now. He used to live by me. That's a, that was the first podcast I started. But um, I'm a coach, really. I guess. I guess that's what. What do I identify as? I almost hate saying, "Oh, I'm an online coach," because, dude, everybody is an online coach now. Um, I've been coaching since 2009, and honestly, I kind of take a backseat on a lot of these podcasts because I'm trying to. I want to learn. That's the reason I do these shows. I want to learn. I want to learn from you. I want to learn from Scott Stevenson. Anybody I have a conversation from, I'm learning. But primarily, I guess when you say what do you, who are you? I guess you, that you identify with what do you do for a living, right? Are you a competitive bodybuilder? I 
Uh, yes, yes. I started competing in 2008 or 2009. I'm not a great competitive bodybuilder. Like I, I, I never was a guy who was going to turn pro. And I started out in middleweight. And when I started, we didn't have the option to do men's physique or classic physique. So you either put on the trunks and you got up there and competed with the big dudes and you got slammed until you, and that, believe me, that was motivation to get bigger or you just didn't do it at all. We didn't have, you know, novice divisions and all that. But yeah, I, I, uh, I, I compete. The last time I competed was two years ago. Now, uh, February, I started dieting all the way through November. We were recording at that time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was the the last show I, shows I had done, and I learned so much about it. I'm I don't know if I'm going to compete this year, Dave. I took last year off, and well, I'd taken a lot of business time off, just focusing on growing the podcast and focusing on making a living. Because for me, coaching is not just like a little side gig. I need to be good at it because this is how I feed myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So you know, and I I've been decently successful with it. I don't. I don't try to pack in huge numbers. I don't um, I don't advertise a lot, but it, word of mouth and and then people seeing successes at shows and stuff. That's that's where it's been good. But, yeah, I have a huge passion for helping other people. A lot of them are much better than I've ever been. Uh, but I, I've, I've had a good I've had a good eye for it, I think, Dave. And then I'll, I'll wrap this question up because I went to school for art and photography and that was my first passion. And when I was a kid, when I grew up, I wanted to be an artist. And that was my thing all the way up until my late 20s. And I got completely disillusioned with it. I was working like crazy out west, like all day, all night. And I got burnt out from it working in the industry of photography. And so I came back home and I took a blue collar job. And I was like, well, that was my entire identity. You know, what do I do now? I wanted to challenge myself because I felt like I wasn't really, I was too two dimensional. And so I, I went back to the drawing board. I took a blue collar job and, uh, and then I found fitness, which I found it again. Cause when I was a kid, my parents both trained, they had friends that were bodybuilders, friends, friends that were powerlifters. I found out later they were all taking gear back in the eighties. <laughs> uh, and I had been at the gym since the time I was a little kid. Gyms, you would call it hardcore gym now that I, I grew up in those places. So I grew up training. I stopped training when I got into like art and all of that through high school and college. And then after all that, I, I came back to it and it's been the best, the best thing in my life. It's changed me so much Dave for the good that my goal is to help other people get their own version of that. I guess have, have the tools, you know, okay. what else you got for me? Um, well, you sort of answered the next question because it was <laughs> what was your ambition when you were young and what is your ambition now? So obviously you were when you were young, you were a struggling artist, so to speak. It's quite funny how we both trained as artists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I was more design side, but it, it's still very similar. But yeah, so I, I'm assuming from that that your, your early passions was about making it as an artist and a photographer. Absolutely. Like being creatively expressive, you know. I wanted to be able to express a unique thing. And I guess the way I would put it is, is like express something that you can't express with words. So Mm -hmm. if you could just sum it up, then what was the point in creating it? So, but a lot of that energy has gone into, into what I see. I know that like when I look at a physique, 
I can I can see what it needs. So now my paintbrush mm. is carbs. My paintbrush is mm. rice. My paintbrush mm. is protein. You know, and that's that's the way that my my brain works. I think there is something from the artist eye that when you look at physique, you start to look at it from from aesthetics and, and balance, and and you start to paint a picture in your mind of where that physique should be as to where it is. And, and um, you know what, too, like photography, because I grew up doing traditional photography, it was a bastard science or is a bastardization between art and science. And I feel like that's what bodybuilding is, too. So instead mm -hmm. of deciding, like, OK, I'm going to add this chemical to my developer, you know, now I'm like, OK, we're going to make this change in the I'm thinking still scientifically to create an artistic output. If we reduce mm -hmm. the rice from. You know, if we if we take them down to 5.5 ounces of protein instead of 6.5, you know, then we'll get the visual result we want, you know. Mm -hmm. So what's your ambition now for yourself as in, you know, do you want to achieve a certain level in, in competitive bodybuilding? And also as a coach, where do you want to develop yourself now? This is all part of that question. So it's not a second one. Don't be oh, getting cocky. Shit. All right. I'll try to make this quick. I don't really have a solid answer except for to continue doing what I'm doing and be good at it. Is that, okay. is that good enough for you? Yeah. Is that, is that all right? Is that all right? So what would you like to be remembered for when your time is done? What stamp does Scott McNally oh. want to leave on this planet? For being, I don't want to say being a good person, but for being a friend, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I want to be, you know, somebody that, uh, somebody that, you know, you can, I want to have a positive, I, I try to have a positive impact. The people I work with, my friends, a lot of my friends are clients or former clients. I want to be able to impart something positive to the people I come mm -hmm. in contact with. So, yeah. I want people's lives to be, that's what I'd want to be remembered for. It's like my life is better because I met him, you know, in some way. My life is worse because I met you, but never mind. Um, ah. Biggest regret. Dude, that's a tough one. Because I feel mm. like you. Why is it so many? <laughs> yeah, well, like if you think about it, and I'll use you as an example, like you've said it before, like you don't regret the things you've done, even though it caused some great damage to your body. You know, no, I, I my regrets come around the damage I've caused to people around me. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that, which me being in recovery, I didn't get into recovery because my life was so awesome and I was having so much fun. You know, I, I, I was not a pleasant person, in my opinion. Um, I would say my biggest regret would be not taking chances sooner, not asking out that girl that I was too scared to ask out or not being willing to take a business risk, not being able to like being afraid of failure. That'd be mm -hmm. my biggest I, regret is when I didn't do something because I was afraid not to, or I was afraid. That's, to. Fear is our biggest restrictor. Yeah. Um, and fear of failure is a huge limiting factor on a, what a lot of people could achieve. Dude, we are all capable uh, of so much, you know? Yes, definitely, definitely. And it is fear of failure that, that, that stops us from all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't really have a fear of failure when it came to my training, which is one of the reasons why I pushed where I did. But I've had fear of failure in other aspects of my life, massively. Yeah. Um, last question. Okay. Scott McNally's proudest moment. Uh, 
Let me, let me look at something really quick. What was the last episode? 77. My proudest moment is episode 78 of Drugs and Stuff when Dave Crossland interviewed me. <laughs> Come on, serious now. What is your proudest moment? I don't know, man. Get Maybe getting clean. Maybe. Yeah, yeah it was a big... Because it was more than that. It was a commitment to... Uh, taking responsibility for us growing up all you know mm-hmm. all of that stuff it wasn't just the the act of you know not oh, using recreational taking, drugs it yeah. was like yeah stop being a knob end dave that's <laughs> cock, end. cock end that's it well, that, that's all you had that's for it all right that's if i told you it wasn't gonna be anything horrible all right, all right. i'm I made it. He's, he's been he's been shitting himself, thinking I was going to be really nasty because <laughs> of what he did last week. I'm still waiting to see what oh, you got no, for this, me. This is not part of my planned revenge. This is genuine. Just was genuine. There, are, there is a planned revenge. Yes. All right. Mm. Well, listen. Um, what do you got going on for the day? Uh, first thing is go for a pee because I'm just about to wet myself. That's why I've been jiggling about because I'm desperate for a piss. Um, then food, and then I need to crack in with uh, clients. I got a few bits and bats from client on dates yesterday that I've got to catch up on. Um, and I I put a post up this morning in regards to what was happening with Boston Lloyd and kidney health in general in users. And that's generated quite a little bit of traction. So I've got quite a few messages and questions to answer off the back of that. So I'll get on with that as well. I also need to buy a portable drip stand and a blood vial labeling machine. Oh, if uh, do you have do you have I know you've had like so when I did, excuse me, my prank on you last week, you got tipped off. Because one of our listeners, I posted a picture or something, or I said I was going to do it on Instagram. I actually came up with the idea on an Instagram story, and I was like, I think I'm going to mess with Dave. That's a great idea. And somebody was like, hey, uh, that's a great idea. I'm actually going to go see him later today. I was like, well, don't say anything. But he kind of gave it away because he said he was like, Scott's got something in store for you. Yeah, all he said was Scott had a surprise for me. That was it. He, but so, he didn't say anymore, and he wouldn't say anymore. So he's um, a listener. And it was a genuine surprise. It was a genuine surprise. My point, though, he he is a listener, and he also does uh, lab work with you. So mm-hmm. I think anybody out there in the United Kingdom that's close to Dave, a northerner, uh, stop by and check out Eval, right? Yeah, I mean, look, we're not the only blood testing company, and we probably restrict ourselves a bit because we will only do face-to-face work. Uh, we uh, won't do postal. We won't do finger prick. And the problem with that is is, is that there's too many mistakes made when you do that. Um, I'm good friends with the guys that own uh, Youth Revisited, um, and they do get issues because people just can't follow instructions, and they don't get enough blood out of a finger prick, or they get it already that it sits on the side for three days before they post it and things mm. like that. So to, to, to get quality results, we want to control as much of the process as we can. Which makes so sense. as a result, we only do face-to-face, which does limit us because geographically, obviously, you're limited to who can get to you. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's uh, Transform Now down in Birmingham, run by Enron Khan. He does Did a very stop. similar don't, thing. Don't, don't, don't. We're not trying to talk about your competition here. I was just trying to plug you. Don't don't start telling no, people to go other places, Dave. That's not the way you yeah, do but, business. No, I, look, the, the thing is, the passion behind this is to help people and stop people fucking themselves up. So if you're in the area, guys. So someone south of Birmingham is not going to drive three and a half hours uh, to me to get a blood test. I would, just to see yeah, your face. Well, yeah, it, I know that. To meet Fuddy. So, Could they meet Fuddy? They can meet Fuddy, yes. Is he in there right now? No, I threw him out, which is why it took me a little bit to get ready because he was asleep under my desk, laid next to the radiator with my feet on him, and you said he's not allowed on the show, so I threw him out. Okay. Well, for real, though, guys, if you're in the area, but check out Dave. Christmas Gordon. cabbage is here. Go to visit Dave. Check out the eval website. We'll have it in the in the description. Visit Christmas cabbage and visit Fuddy. You guys won't regret it. For another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, I'm Scott McNally, guys. We'll see you soon.